Hello again, everyone, and happy December. And welcome to the IWSCC podcast, Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada, uh, where we talk about all things supplier diversity, um, brought to you by Pod Supply, which you may recall from other podcasts uh, we used to refer to as remote video, uh, but they have changed their name to Pod Supply, which is uh, much more apt. And so congratulations, guys, on the name change. If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see there's ASL interpretation, and that's brought to you by Maple Communications Canada. And my name is Deidre Guy. Uh, I am. Uh, I work with the Inclusive Workplace and Supply Council of Canada, and we uh, certify disabled and veteran-owned businesses here in Canada as diverse suppliers and connect them with fantastic corporations and governments across Canada for the purposes of doing business, which kind of brings me to my guest today, and I'm super happy to have her here. We've gotten to know each other, I think, fairly well over the last uh, couple of years. We've been on some, some different uh, events together where we've traveled and uh, and really had lots of fun and I just love her enthusiasm and so I'm super happy to have her here with us today. So with no further ado, uh, Jessica Gray is here from RBC. Jessica, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited as well. Yeah, we've talked about this a few times uh, and our, our schedules have finally coordinated, which I'm, I'm really super happy about. So why don't we just get right into it? Uh, Jessica, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself. Who, who are you? Uh, what do you do? How much time do I have? I'm kidding. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to answer you too. <laughs> I was going to do some quick math. <laughs> so not everybody can see me. So why don't I do this? Uh, I'm about five feet tall or some may say five feet short, but it's all good. <laughs> I'm a black female, originally from Jamaica. Guess you didn't see that coming, as I know my voice is very deep. Yes, I'm female. I have medium length hair and I'm wearing a black glitter shirt. And uh, my pronouns are she, her. I recognize that I'm a truly blessed living with my immediate family here in Canada. And I've chosen to adopt um, some uh, family members along the way. I've been a great, that have been a great, great positive influence um, and um, center of support. My husband, Anthony, who's about six foot six, by the way, it's true. <laughs> He's a true partner, counselor, and inspiration for the past 35 years, and I love my life. I have a son and daughter, Kale and Lane. They're pretty cool, and I love my life because of them as well. Uh, I'm a certified basketball coach and I love volunteering. I'm known as the uh, auntie that plays all sports and knows about all sports. I can play basketball, soccer, and baseball. Uh, my name is Jessica Gray, as Deirdre said, and my role at RBC is to lead the supplier diversity strategy globally. The, I fall under the uh, chief administration's office and I work um, alongside and report into the strategy and transformation team. I have the pleasure of working closely with over 100 global procurement strategic sourcing professionals around the world. Shout out to all of my RBC global procurement sourcing team members. And uh, I'm proud to be part of that team. Okay, so, so we first developed the supplier diversity um, at RBC in 2004, and it was to advance equality of opportunity for women, um, BIPOC-owned uh, businesses, LGBTQ plus 2S-owned businesses, 
people with disabilities, service-disabled veterans, and uh, in the States, something known as small business. Um, my goal is uh, to uh, level the playing field for diverse-owned businesses, and my team continues to execute on that evolving strategy and programs constantly, always. A little bit about RBC. RBC uh, Canada's uh, in the uh, is a global function um, functional institution within the financial industry, with a pur purpose driven principle uh, led approach to deliver leading performance. Our success comes from our eighty nine thousand plus employees across the globe. So um, my lived experience is working with an organization where diversity and inclusion is part of our core values. Thanks for having me and let's get to it, Deidre. <laughs> so you've already talked about a bunch of things that make you unique, um, but I did have on my list on my next question, which is what's something that makes you unique. And I know you well enough to, to know that you've got a bunch of other things that make you unique and, and your entire family actually uh, do some very cool things and very accomplished families. So um, share some other stuff with us. Okay. So, uh, da, 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 da. let me think. <laughs> so the shoulders I came into this world on, um, very uh, um, long line of women entrepreneurs. I'll start with my mother's mother, my grandmother. My grandmother out of Kingston, Jamaica, left the corporate establishment. She was a headmistress of one of uh, Jamaica's um, large female schools. Headmistresses in North American terms was the principal. She decided um, uh, in Jamaica, the school system is you have to pay to go to school. Well, she decided that um, her social worker instincts were going to kick in and she left the corporate, corporate um, structure and opened her own school. The school was um, a one, um, one, one classroom. And the really cool thing about this classroom was it's actually known in Jamaica as a world famous kindergarten after a few years of people hearing about the work she was doing in hmm. um, Kingston. Um, the classroom was set up where the grade eights taught the kindergarten students, etc. Hmm. And it's, it was really cool. The, the way you got into the school was you had to be um, potty trained and know how to hold a pencil. So if you were two years old, you could join the <laughs> kindergarten of this school. So that wow. was really um, interesting, um, some of my grandmother's uh, work that she did. She also started the first male adult literacy program for males, for men, adults. And huh. um, her school often um, students couldn't pay, which was fine with her. So she didn't make any money off of this school, although she was an entrepreneur. Um, however, when we would go home for Christmas back to Jamaica when I was a child, she had a beautiful porch in front of the house in a garden. You would walk up to the porch and you could not see the front door. The way people paid my grandmother for her accepting their children into her school was by leaving her food. Oh, wow. And coming and mowing her lawn, um, um, pruning her flowers in the front, things like that. This is how people hmm. repaid my grandmother. And at Christmas, it was even worse. It would just be <laughs> cakes and 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 cooked Sounds food awful. and just piled up of, of how people would pay her. And um, before she died in the early 80s, she was given something known as the Order of Jamaica for education. 
and was named as one of Jamaica's unsung heroes by the Prime Minister of Jamaica. So those are kind of like the um, shoulders that came into the world on my mother and my mother's sisters um, uh, uh, quickly um, led that same type of life of um, social work, um, educating children, educating adults. So these are some interesting facts about uh, how I think and why I think the way I do. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and you have some uh, siblings that do some interesting stuff too. I remember we talked about that when I think we were in Ottawa. So um, I'm not surprised that uh, at how accomplished you are. And I, I love uh, just sort of watching you go. Like <laughs> you, we were at the Weeby conference, and you you said I have to introduce Jeff to like, Luigi, and and so then okay, where and so then I just watched that whole interaction, and you find Luigi and bring him down and remind the two why they need to talk and. You know, this is what it's all about, and 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 you know, you really are uh, exemplifying someone who's who's getting down to sort of the grassroots of supplier diversity and saying, okay, you're the buyer, you're the supplier. I see you both here in the same room. Connect, and I think that's absolutely yeah. fantastic. So. I always like to have people explain supplier diversity. So my question is what supplier diversity mean to you? And perhaps I should be more clear because I don't mean what does it mean to you emotionally or or personally the effect it's had on you. But if someone doesn't really understand what supplier diversity is, uh, and that's a lot of us, it took me a long time to kind of figure out what the heck I was doing. And, you know, I'm running a supply council. So um, I think that uh, I love to hear uh, other people's sort of definition of what supplier diversity is. So let's, let's hear yours. Uh, all right. So uh, Deidre and a lot of your listeners today who know me know I can talk about this for hours. So <laughs> let me try to keep it short and sweet. So let me start by sharing uh, what a supplier recently said to me. Why don't we start there? Yeah. Okay. So this is a quote from a supplier and I can completely live and breathe feedback from suppliers around culture and around what they're going through. So Mm -hmm. one of the challenges all diverse suppliers face is access to networks. But when you have a diverse supplier champion like RBC that makes introductions into the company, well, that's golden. So again, I think supplier diversity, we get the wisdom from the feedback, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Mm -hmm. what does that mean to us at RBC in getting diverse suppliers a seat at the table? And this is a huge step. It fuels the work and it makes it meaningful and impactful, even if it's just by one supplier at a time. Mm-hmm. Once a supplier has the door open, once they get to the table, the suppliers are capable of following through. So they just need the opportunity. I think of it like supplier diversities, like sponsorship. And my role in networking, integrating conversations about diverse suppliers into planning activities and how it creates access to opportunities for these amazing companies. And it fills me with pride that the accomplishments of this program can give them that, right? So when I look at supplier diversity, it, there's, no, there's no real um, way to define it because it's constantly evolving. So I look to the feedback, the comments, and the information I get from, guess what? The suppliers suppliers. who are participating in supplier diversity, right? Yeah. I'll leave you with this. Sorry, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, by participating, it means they've they've reached out to the supply council that represents their particular diversity. Uh, so uh, then have gone through the certification process, uh, which proves that they are at least fifty one percent owner operator and controller of that organization. And um, and so that's something that's important to uh, I think both sides of the game. But why is that important to you that um, that they are fifty one percent owned, for example? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if 51% on means really anything uh, to me, but I understand how uh, you have to start somewhere with um, auditing um, to ensure that uh, um, the supplier coming in is actually diverse. So I understand right. the 51% on from that perspective. I think the, um, the biggest thing for me is we're spending time to reduce the stigma, right? It's all mm -hmm. about this program's all about stigma reduction. And I know we'll get yeah. to that somehow today, I hope, because I know <laughs> that's one of the things that's always on top of your mind. Um, it is. IWSCC. So it's, you know what, it's, it's one thing. Um, and a supplier also said this to me, and this is where I think it, it matters the most. All I want is the opportunity to make a pitch. That's all I'm asking for, right? So we have to level the playing field for diverse suppliers, right? And give them a chance that non-diverse suppliers have to make yeah, their and pitch. And have had. They're, have have yeah. had, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Right? To make their yeah. pitch. These diverse owned businesses are not charity cases. So this is no. not about charity or a foundation. This is literally um, giving them something they need to live and feed their families and their employees, right? Mm -hmm. So the opportunity to make a pitch, that's all they're asking for, right? The uh, diverse owned businesses are extremely innovative. They're, they can pivot on a dime. They're extremely nimble. And I think they mirror, I know they mirror our clients here at RBC. So that's, that's what our supplier diversity means to, um, to me and RBC as well. Nice. I love it. A lot of great points in there. Uh, you know, just to the 51%, um, one of the things that I think is important and, and absolutely confirming that the, the business is uh, truly diversely owned. Uh, and I think having that diverse mind uh, and perspective be in control of the direction of the company is important because that innovation tends to get watered down when you have people that don't necessarily have had, they haven't had to uh, innovate their entire lives just to, you know, get from point A to point B or just to exist or just to make it through the day. So when folks don't have any of those barriers, they don't prepare for them and you don't wind up with that same innovation, that same, uh, you know, get it done no matter what, over, under, around and through, I always say, or stick to itiveness and also bounce back ability. Uh, you know, uh, again, when you're faced with barriers on a, on a daily basis, so a business barrier doesn't knock you down like it may someone who, who never has a barrier in their day. So, and that translates into good business and that translates into good services and, 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 and goods supplied uh, to places like your, or RBC. So what's going Absolutely. on with RBC's supplier diversity program that's new? You've been, uh, what, two years in the role, is it? Two years? Um, year and a half, I think. Um, yeah. I can't remember. It's the first role that I haven't counted the months. Oh wow! Because <laughs> it. it's it's ever evolving. I'm learning. I'm constantly learning. Right, the journey's yeah. been amazing. I think it's about eighteen months now. Okay. But the the journey's been amazing. It's been um, it's like been broken down into three areas for me. Right. It's been rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's been eye opening, 
And I'm constantly relearning. Mm. Every time I speak to a supplier, I learn something new, not only about um, what they're going through, also what RBC needs to improve on in order mm. to make a difference in our communities. And I, I love the perspective of one supplier at a time, because I really think if you're trying to do mass good for mass suppliers, I mean, there's a certain aspect in certain places for that, uh, but really one supplier at a time creates that that uh, consistency, um, the interaction, and, and really it's hard to get to know a supplier if you're doing more than one supplier at a time, right? You need, you need to take your time with them. Uh, they're going to be spending a lot of time with you if, if you do purchase any goods or services from them. So it's, it's important to get to know them, I think. So Absolutely. yeah, so what's, what's new? What are some of the newer things that you've put together since you started with uh, in this role with RBC or anything new that RBC is doing as a whole from a, a supplier diversity initiative that you can share with us? Absolutely. So understanding uh, that I do speak to lots of suppliers and other corporations as well and learn from them, their best practices, their mistakes, etc. cetera. Uh, it's ever evolving. And I, I, I got to just state it with like this. We can't change everything um, at one time. So we got to prioritize and choose what we're, what we're going to look at and create. So one of the priorities um, that we had over the last 12 months was access. So providing a supplier's access. I mean, you can't level the playing field if they don't have access to meet with people within mm -hmm. the organization. So one of the things we did was, you know how all of these large corporations have something called a registration portal? Right, you go yeah. on their .com site, you find the registration portal, you fill out all the forms to register as a supplier, and then if you're diverse, you throw up your diversity certificate from whatever council you're a member of, and that goes into supplier diversity flag, and that's now where I start. So uh, we don't want, though, all that hard work that these small businesses have put time and effort into registering, because they're small businesses. This yeah. is um, a lot of time. Um, to be registering on hundreds of thousands of corporations' portals. Yeah. So one of the um, really important things was, what do we do now that they've registered and how do we provide them access? So we've rolled out something called a post-registration process for diverse-owned businesses that have left their certificate in our, our contract, our supplier lifecycle management system. We pull that list every other month and we start looking at who the suppliers are that have registered, and we send them out a little mini RFI. And the mini RFI, again, we know they're small businesses and we don't want them spending hours answering survey questions. It literally has four survey questions. The main question is, what problem can you solve for the bank? So tell us what your major capability is. And then the second most important question is, what spend category do you fall under? And they have to select their spend category that they fall under. We take that mini RFI questionnaire, we send it out and we do something called a matchmaking event based on the answers to the questionnaire. And we literally find real procurement or business units who actually select that supplier to hear a pitch from. That is one of the most incredible things I think that we've rolled out this year. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that makes it a much more accessible um, event, basically, for, for them to participate in. Um, have you had a look at um, uh, 
all of the like where where are the material groups coming from that you are they coming like for through NAICS codes or what what type of uh, okay that's a great question this would have been the first time based on this uh process that I just explained the post-registration process I had to um I went out and um received approval to post our spend categories in the survey. So the categories that the suppliers are selecting are literally the categories that we are, our procurement professionals are aligned to. So that's how come the matchmaking is so powerful because I invite procurement professionals from the suppliers category to come and meet and hear from them. The procurement category manager, or we call a sourcing manager here, now has been educated on that supplier and can educate their business partners when a purchasing need arises. Okay, that's uh, that's a game changer when it comes to registering on those um, portals because I've done that <laughs> many many times over the years. So, uh, and and have you have you got any stats on that? Like, how, how is that turning into a lot more? Um, activity, business? I mean, what's what's that rolling out to look like as far as the program is concerned? So we've ran the um, post-registration meetings uh, since we rolled it out in April. We've ran it, ran it twice. I'll give you an example. Last Friday, we um, had a hot, out of the last quarter and all the events that I attended and the cold, the ones that just coldly go on and register without knowing about our supplier diversity uh, post-registration, we had 111 suppliers that we needed to match based on procurement and some of the business units needs coming up in the next um, year or so. There was eight procurement professionals in attendance and four individuals from um, our um, business units. And the categories were IT um, staffing and general staffing and professional services, as well as events and hospitality. So the business units that showed up were for events and hospitality. So those suppliers spoke directly to the purchasers. The other ones are quite larger categories. So we started with the procurement relationship manager. So they've all now um, on the procurement relationships manager's radar. And um, some of them um, hopefully will get in front of the business in the new year. So it's pretty exciting um, what's going on. And now, because I know who they all are, I get to track them. And some of them said it was like um, um, having a speed dating uh, event with RBC just before they started. The <laughs> so it's a it's feel good for everybody, not just for the procurement and the business units that showed up and got to hear the supplier's stories. Yeah. And the really cool thing is each procurement or business manager had a breakout room. So each supplier got to go privately. Some oh, of them nice. were shocked when they got in the breakout room because four people chose them. Oh, so wow. they got to pitch to four different business units. That's pretty cool. And confidence building. Isn't it? And yeah. at the same time, they got they, uh, they only had one thing to answer. No decks. Send us your deck yeah. and your capability statement after. It's just about you. Some of them brought two or three people with them. They had, and I mm-hmm. said, choose a speaker. The best part is the only, qu- it's like a one question interview, putting my recruitment hat on. You know how they say, tell me, walk me through your resume? No, the question was similar to that. Walk me through what a perfect project looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's a beautiful way to make a match. 
Mm-hmm. That's great. We're going to take a bit of a turn in our topic here because um, some organizations choose to accept just, uh, I don't want to say just, but self-identification as um, as proof or uh, of diversity for their diverse supplier program. And, and many choose to have a third-party certification body, something like uh, IWSCC, uh, able to verify and supply you with, with access to large groups of suppliers. So how does RBC work that? And, and, and do, like, do your suppliers have to be certified in order to be working in the diverse supplier category or diverse supplier yeah, program? In order for us to track um, supplier um, diversity, uh, our results, you have, uh, we look for a certification. However, right. as you know, there's RBC uh, um, 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 has thousands and thousands of suppliers, right? If we stumble across, if I personally stumble across a supplier that I know is diverse, just just comes in through as a regular supplier, I literally will send them information on different councils. I have a pre-formatted right. email message. <laughs> so all I have to type is hi in your name and the rest is all done. <laughs> right. And if you ever want to see it, I'm happy to share it. <laughs> and it tells them the council. It says uh, what the council's advocacy group is. So in this in this case would be a write-up about IWSCC. I get the write-up from um, Deirdre's team and I throw it up in my uh, templated email. And at the same time, it also gives them a link to your site. So I am making it 110% easy for them to look into certification. Yeah. That's great. I did all what the work, would, all the research for them. They just yeah. got to pick what council they think they're 51% owned because the definition is the same across the world. 51% yes. owned and operated. Yes. And that's something I always like to share with people that, you know, supplier diversity isn't something IWSCC just came up with. Like, you know, this is this is a global and you get to you're much more aware of that than I am because you travel all over. I'm always like, OK, where what country is she in now? Um, and, <laughs> and, and that's because you're going to supplier diversity functions and events and, and meetings with other uh, organizations on behalf of RBC. And I'm sure meeting a lot of RBC people uh, while you're traveling as well. What do you think are the pros and the cons of the third party certification model? I think the pro, I can't think of too many cons. So uh, that's a good question. Uh, I always tend to look at the pros. Yeah. (laughs) It's the nature of my role and my personality. I think the pros are, uh, it's just not about certification. It's about access to large organizations like RBC that you normally would not have access to as a small business. And you don't have to be a client, right? You don't have to have any client status with any of the organizations unless you're using like Unilever or Johnson and Johnson products. Obviously, you're going in a drugstore and you're buying their products or Kellogg's. Right. But from a bank <laughs> perspective, right? And the other thing is, um, I don't think uh, a lot of small businesses realize this that if you're diverse, you are going to have uh, get uh, a lot of thought leadership from the folks that work at the councils and also get you in front of uh, industry experts and subject matter experts based on your product or service offering. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is, that's amazing. And you're going to not only be mentored or sponsored within that council uh, by organizations that also pay for memberships to get access to a small business 
uh, that's diverse, but also from suppliers that are diverse, that are might be a little more mature than you. They There's no competition in supplier diversity when it comes mm. to supplier diversity. Everybody wants their community to prosper. So guess mm-hmm. what? Those more mature businesses will also mentor you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What has supply surprised you the most about working in the supplier diversity world? The thing that surprised me the most, I think, is um, how many of the organizations that are part of that actually have their own supplier diversity strategies. So the corporations, most of the strategies that I've listened to or some of the information that's been shared amongst the corporations uh, a lot of it uh, underlying when you're listening to the message, it all ties back to stigma reduction mm-hmm. and getting small, diverse companies um, uh, a level um, playing field and fair and access. So the amount of stigma still in place is the surprise. We've been yes. surprised by how much. The, yeah. 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 And it's, it can be very subtle still, but it's there for sure. Yeah. What would yeah, you like so, to change in the supplier diversity world? I, I'm assuming stigma, but is there, is there anything yeah, else? Yeah, well, I mean, social stigma, right? It's a huge yeah. point of discussion within my family yeah. constantly. I mean, I'm a visibly, I'm visibly a black woman raised by a single mother and immigrant. So yes, I'm a huge mm-hmm. advocate for stigma reduction. All right, I have to combat yeah. it every day in my life, my personal and professional spaces. Right? Yeah, I yeah. can't just turn off what I physically look like, right? Mm-hmm. And imagine and what my perceived shortcomings are when they turn on a camera or I walk in a meeting room, right? Yeah. So I I know I'm being prejudged before I even speak, right? Imagine um, so, um, these diverse owned businesses, exactly the same experience that I'm going through, mm-hmm. that I go through, right? So yeah. I'm a huge advocate of stigma reduction. And um, I think that um, the strategy that I personally know of at RBC from end to end um, looks um, looks at combating that, mitigating that for diverse owned businesses. Right. So, st- so yeah, you know, I think if stigma, if there were no stigma, we wouldn't even there would be no need for supplier diversity, right? That's the, what yeah. The, these suppliers would be getting access to business all along without without these preconceived notions and judgments that uh, are so, wrong. Yeah. So you know, at the beginning, how you spoke about how I'm always moving and shaking and connecting people, right? Yeah. That's what it is. I'm deliberately leveling the playing field. I'm deliberately yes. stretching out and reaching out to suppliers that are diverse so we can include them. Yeah. Yeah. I see it all the time. And it's, it's like I said, cool to watch. What made you decide to take on this role? Um, given all the other things you've done with our, at RBC and before, what made you decide to tackle supplier diversity? Wow. <laughs> that's a huge, that's a huge, um, that's a huge answer. <laughs> <laughs> So can I can I can I tell you something I often hear my husband say? Sure. All right. So I'm going to read it actually, so I don't miss the essence of it. Is it okay if I read something? Of course. Yeah. Let's suggest that each person's contribution is qu- equivalent to one dollar. I worked hard investing in my craft and applying my knowledge in a manner that I felt was equal to having one dollar in my pocket, just like my peers in the room. 
When it came time to put my money on the table to contribute to the pool of resources to meet the challenges that we're all tasked with solving, the world, my peers in brackets, saw my contribution as 80 cents. I would imagine that at times the discount rate may be much higher for women, especially visible minority women, or a person working with a disability, or a vet, or a indigenous individual, or an, someone who's part of the LGBTQ plus community, etc. So throughout my career, before I entered the room, I made sure that I worked hard and prepared to make sure that I had a dollar fifty in my pocket to leave no doubt about my value in the moment. Me, Jessica, my lived experience is not unique. Every visible minority consciously or con unconsciously understands this dynamic, and we all either choose to put the extra resources in our pocket or resign ourselves to being seen as four-fifths of just having 80 cents in our pocket to contribute. Either choice results in real opportunities to proceed from being the best version of ourselves. So this is why oh. I took the supplier diversity role. And this is why I think it's important so that our dollar is looked at the same as everybody else's. I love it. That's a fantastic answer. Um, I, I like my answer, <laughs> but it's true. It's, 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 it's exactly why I took this role. I want yeah. just, I just want to be looked at like the dollar. And I think diverse owned businesses should also be able to come to the table with the dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was it a snap decision when it was put in front of you as a, as an option? It was a snap decision. I've been waiting yeah. for it for six years. Okay. <laughs> Somebody asked, one of my leaders asked me six years ago, where do you see yourself next? And it was easy. I said, supplier diversity, no matter oh, what wow. it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I will make well, it look like what I want it to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I fixed it anyway. So you've manifested that for yourself. Well, we're very happy to have you in the supplier diversity world, the changes that Thank you've you. made. Uh, you know, I hear about it all the time from my suppliers. Uh, folks just enjoy hanging out with you, um, your enthusiasm and, uh, and unabashed, uh, help, I think is something that uh, not everybody's good at taking help. And especially those of us who are diverse in some way, because, you know, we've had to do it on our own in a lot of ways. So, so we're not always great at accepting help. And so you're just right there going, here's my help. And by the way, I'm doing this for you. And by the way, Deidre, you can speak in front of 147 procurement people next Monday morning on behalf of IWSCC if you want. You know, it's generous and thoughtful, and it really helps build the community. So, and also being here on this podcast uh, really helps. And uh, I've learned stuff today that I didn't know about the RBC program and also your thoughts behind it. Uh, so I'm really thrilled to have had you here and, and I'm glad we were able to make the time to get our schedules together finally. And you're heading yeah. off on vacation after this, are you not? I will be heading off on vacation. Uh, I'll be back in January. Uh, my last event is tomorrow, so mm -hmm. it's exciting. And then I'm going to do some charity work and head out on vacation. So Tropicana Community Services, shout out to the uh, Community <laughs> Services of Scarborough. They need us. Nice. Yes. Good for you. Thank you so much for being here. Enjoy your vacation. Uh, we will see you next year when you're back, all relaxed and 
you know, happy, maybe 20 pounds heavier, <laughs> you know, on vacation is. <laughs> what, they, what she's really saying is, and paying your invoice and your sponsorship dollars in January. Right? Now I'll get that paid now. No. <laughs> but yes, so I, will, I will be refreshed. And it has been a true pleasure working with you and all of the SDAC in Canada. And it's just been incredible. And I can't wait to see what earth-shaking stuff we do in 2023. In 2023. I'm pretty excited about it too. Thanks again for being here, Jessica. And thanks again for everyone for joining us today. For more supplier diversity content, you can check us out at iwscc.ca. Uh, find us on YouTube or listen on your favorite podcast platform. We have new episodes every couple of weeks and quite a lot more going on with the IWSCC. So be sure to follow us on social media so you can uh, get all the updates. Thanks again for being here. Enjoy the rest of your day.